So, Marcus, it's been a while. Oh, there it goes. Okay, Marcus, it's been a while. Glad to see you again. Uh, and that um, you had called about having some pain and that this is a very typical issue. I don't know of anyone who doesn't have any pain. In fact, I don't know of anyone who doesn't have pain that's self-inflicted. And that what happens with pain is that what makes it, in fact, pain is, is that we don't like it. And if we don't like it, then we're going to treat it kind of as an enemy. And so uh, things like stomach problems and heartburn and all of that kind of stuff is basically a chemical imbalance. And so I kind of got a fun question for you. Do you think that not liking and the state of not liking and the thoughts of not liking and the aversion for whatever it is, is that an acidic thought? No, 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 of course not. <laughs> it's not. So liking it and appreciating and joyful and everything like that, that's an acidic thought. <laughs> nah. Okay, so I'll go back and ask again about how about um, uh, not liking and trying to push it away, et cetera, like that. Is that an acidic thought? I mean, it's a, it's a thought that causes suffering. That's kind of the point, I guess. Right. Okay. Well, not only is it um, um, those thoughts cause mental suffering, they also cause chemistry to happen in the body. Okay. So another question that I can have, you've probably heard me talk about adrenaline because it's a, mm -hmm. a, a common issue. Is adrenaline an acid? Mm. I'm not sure, was it? Well, it's, it's made up of amino acids. Yeah, yeah, I think so, right? Okay. So, there is stuff in the body that's actually acid that gives acid reflux and those kind of uh, things. So, now we have two different ways of dealing with it. One is just to deal um, more or less directly with uh, whether we like it or not. And the other one is to deal with the acidity itself. So there's two of them. There's the cause and then the effect. The cause is the, the sensations, the feelings, the burning, all of that, which is a yeah. bodily sensation. And that's all it is, it's just a bodily sensation. And then we add something to it. That is, we don't like it. Yeah, okay. I really and don't. If, and if you don't like it, then there is uh, every possibility that you're in worse shape than you were if you were liking it. So, um, let's introduce a concept about caring in the sense of caring for versus caring about. And I'll use the example of a woman who has brought her sick dog to the vet. And there she is with the dog on the steel table with the vet operating on the dog. Okay, and she's comforting the dog as best she can. Now, the question is, 
um, or the, the language that we will use is, is that while she cares about the dog, the vet is just merely caring for the dog. Yeah. All right. So which would you rather be, the owner of a sick dog or the, the vet who's just merely caring for the dog? Because after all, the woman's the one who is distraught and in pain, just like her dog is. The vet, he's not in pain. He's doing his job of nurturing and caring for. Yeah. Right? Okay, so which are you? Are you the, uh, the owner of the dog who's worried and fretful and caring about the pains? Or are you the vet who is going to care for the pain? Well, sometimes I'm the vet, but sometimes I'm the owner for sure. And oh, <laughs> those right. are the times oh. that are not so fun. Yes, so that's the time then to be able to recognize which one you are and make a change. This is the Anapanasati, okay, that you have a choice about the attitude and the thoughts that you're going to have about whatever input that is presented to you. So we have um, visual input to the eyes, we have auditory input to the ears, and we have sensational input through the body. I mean, just sitting there in the chair, and if you start paying attention to it, there's hundreds of things that you could pay attention to that are already signals coming from the body that you're just kind of ignoring, okay? Like the left cheek of the butt, and now the right cheek of the butt, they're different. Can you experience the difference? Can you experience yes. the way that your lower leg um, is touching the edge of the chair? Can you experience what your elbows are doing, first the left and then the right, etc.? So you recognize that, in fact, the body is given huge amounts of input all the time. Yeah, for sure. And we're choosing to ignore a lot of it. Part of the reason that we would say that we've ignored is because it's below a threshold or it's not fully conscious, it's, it's subconscious. Except that when we actually pay attention to it, then we can sense it. If you go looking for it, you can find it. Well, what happens is, is that when people are in pain, especially chronic pain, they go looking for the pain and sure enough, they find it. But if you're not looking for the pain or you can ignore the pain or better still nourish the pain and let it be okay so here's a question you have had this over a long period of time i assume this is not a sudden illness right? yeah yeah for years okay and oh years all right and you survived so far yeah, yeah. So this is not life-threatening. No. No, it's not. If it's not life-threatening, then you've got no problem. Because <laughs> the only thing that's important is, is that you stay alive. I ask students this on a regular basis. What do you care about after you're dead? In other words, if uh, does a dead corpse care about acid reflux? Because it's going to have an awful lot of acid after the body dies. Things are going to start falling apart and breaking down. But guess what? The guy who died, he don't care. So that's an important question. What do you care about 
after you're dead. What's important after you're dead? The answer is nothing. Nothing's important after you're dead. Because you don't know it and you couldn't do anything about it anyway. So. Then well, what's then important? Staying alive, that's what's important. And guess what? You're staying alive. You're still alive, aren't you? I'm not talking to a corpse, am I? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. If you are still alive, then congratulations. Whatever the sensations, whatever the acid reflux, whatever the tummy aches, whatever that's going on, it hasn't killed you. You're still alive. But in some cases, it may have occurred that because you didn't feel well, you didn't go do something, and if you had gone do it to do it, it would have killed you. <laughs> like, oh, it's I can't possible. go skydiving because I've got acid reflux. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, in, in a way, you could say that things kind of even out. The real issue is, is that you're still alive. And the important issue is, is that you are uh, still alive only because you're breathing. If you stop breathing, you will die. You can imagine it like this. You've got a death sentence. And you're going to be dead in three minutes. But there is a reprieve, and that's the next breath. And so in that regard, the next breath it's kind of important. Paying attention to the, this breath and breathing correctly may in fact be um, quite beneficial in this regard. So what we need to do then is to practice the Anapanasati with the idea of that you're going to nourish rather than complain about the feelings or the sensations. Okay, old people get rheumatism in the hips and in the elbows and all kinds of things like that. And it's a sign of getting old. And when I have those kind of sensations, I say, wow, guess what? I'm old enough to have old people stuff. Look how long <laughs> I've lasted. I've been breathing all of these years. <laughs> and now I'm actually for many places like Thailand, I'm older than the average uh, uh, lifespan. So I can put up with a bit of rheumatism if I have a choice, either rheumatism or death, I'll take rheumatism and congratulate myself for it. Okay. <laughs> so if we begin to recognize that part of the Anapanasati practice is to deal with pain, to deal with sickness, because, as the Buddha states quite clearly, because you have been born, you will die. And if you're unlucky, you'll die soon. If you're very lucky, you will get old and you will get sick. Because old age and sickness go together before you die. And here you are as a young man complaining about uh, a little bit of illness. And what we really need to do is get prepared for a whole lot of illness because we want to be sick if our only choice is death. 
And a lot of people will get so uh, frustrated with their illness that they would rather die than than stay uh, sick. Yeah. That's not a good choice. It's not a good choice. That in fact, I would say that often people clutch themselves to death because they're trying to avoid something and death seems to be the easy way to avoid it. And let's hope that you've got better choices. And so the choice that I'm offering you is to stop caring about those illnesses and start caring for them. Start taking the medicines that you need to take once you've got it. But there's a few things that we can do that are going to change things so that the the, the disease, when it does come, does not come uh, in a way that you feel like you want to avoid it, wanting to get rid of it, wanting it to go away. Okay, that um, in fact, Bhikkhu Buddhadasa talks about that illness is an excellent opportunity to practice. This is a good opportunity to practice is when we're sick. Because when we are sitting alone and there's, uh, um, let us say, uh, in a comfortable posture and whatever like that, then it's fairly easy to practice. Then in fact, that's how the Buddha recommends getting started is going into seclusion, going under this, uh, into the forest into a foot of a tree, an empty hut and sit down with very, very little sensory input so that we can deal with the mind directly. But now we're going to be working with the mind and dealing with the mind while we're also getting the sensory input of the sensations of the body, which is also part of Anapanasati practice, by the way. This is step three, is to getting to know the body, and you're not going to get to know it very well if you don't like it very well. Just like if you've got a good close friend and you spend time with him, you're going to learn his foibles and his ins and outs. But if you've got an enemy, you're not spending any time with him. You don't know him very well. He might, in fact, be a good friend for you. But since you've already decided that you hate him and you don't like him and he's an enemy, then we don't learn it very well. So this is part of the investigation of the body is to begin to look at it, uh, begin to uh, instead of just labeling all oh, there it is and I don't like it and I call it this name instead let's become that vet let's take an investigation let's start looking at and one of the ways that we can look at it is is can we move it around does it have to be stable uh, you call we call it heartburn and yet is it the heart that burns where is it located how big is it can it pulse with the breathing? Can you make it big when you breathe in and small when you breathe out? Can you make it come up higher in the chest during the end breath and lower as you breathe out? In other words, start playing with it as a new toy. <clears throat> experiment with it just like a veterinarian would experiment with a, do with a, a dog that the owner would never do because she cares too much. She doesn't want the dog to be in any pain at all. And yet some procedures that vets will do, he's more interested in caring about or caring for the dog rather than caring about it. So that's the way to begin to look is that you need to start um, changing from um, not liking 
and caring too much about the sensations and wanting them to go away and start treating them like uh, an injury that a doctor is going to take care of. Become your own physician. Give yourself the kind of medication that you know works uh, without saying, oh, I don't want to take the meds or, oh, I don't like these meds or, oh, this, that, and the other thing. The answer is, is that um, acid reflux is a, is a um, thing that can be dealt with with very cheap, easy to do meditation uh, uh, medications. Actually, one of the things that will help a lot is just drinking a lot of water. Did you know that? Just drinking a lot of water. May this water cool, not only does it cool off the acid, but it dilutes the acid, and then you pee more, and you pee some of that stuff right out. And so there's many, many little things that you can do, but the thought is, oh, I have to take this medicine because I don't like the illness is not going to be as effective as, oh, let me take this this medicine because I know that it works. And so you change your mentality from that of a, a, an, an owner, the one who owns these pains, into the doctor who's really going to be taking care of them. And you can be neutral about it. That's the word upeka that we can deal with things that we don't, that we used to uh, upset us, and now we can deal with them without upsetting us. And then there's another way of looking at it, and that is um, uh, how are you training yourself? Because um, many people will have acid reflux uh, syndromes from time to time. I've had it. Haven't had it in a long time, but I've had it before. I know what you're talking about. Anytime that you tell somebody about it, they probably know what it is. They've had it too. Okay. So that means that every one of us who have ever had such a thing did something to create it. So now that doctor needs to start looking at, well, what are we doing that creates this stuff? And because we're doing something over and over again that keeps creating it over and over again. So this is part of the meditation, then, is to start in, in investigating uh, the kind of thoughts that you would have when you recognize them. You could put them through that little questionnaire. Uh, if I have these kind of thoughts, will these kind of thoughts create stomach pain? Will these kind of thoughts create an acid? or excuse me, will these thoughts be an antacid or are these thoughts going to be uh, creating acid in the system? Also, there are foods that we will eat that will cause it. And so you can begin to start noticing, do these foods that I'm eating create this? And if they do, then you can start eliminating those kind of foods from your diet. Again, part of the investigation. But the uh, the woman who owns that dog back in our story, she's not interested in, uh, she just wants the dog to be fixed and cured so that she can get over her tensions and anxiety. She doesn't like the dog being sick. Okay. But the doctor, he's in business 
of sick dogs. So he doesn't mind this dog being sick at all. Then, in fact, it gives him a chance to put his skills to use. And so this is the new attitude that you're going to take, that you're the physician here. You're the one who is going to investigate and to check things out and to figure out what's going on. Experiment with the breathing, experiment with the reflux to, uh, and acids and, <clears throat> and that kind of stuff. And start to find some relief. And when you find some relief, recognize that all this is relief. It's come down from 90% down to 80%. Can I see that improvement? Or do I say, oh, it's about the same. That's no help. And now we're back into the negative thinking again. So having nurturing thoughts. So I'll give you another story. <clears throat> and that the story that I'm about to tell is the difference between the way that they train horses, uh, the cowboys in the U.S. with their corrals and all of that, versus the way that uh, that horses are trained in, uh, I think it's in Liechtenstein, but there's a very famous academy for show horses. So the in America, they put the horse in a corral, the guy brings the big heavy saddle and the bridle. <clears throat> Somebody else throws a, a, a rope over the horse's neck to, uh, so that they can uh, reel him in and get him stable enough that they can pop all of this heavy gear on him. And as soon as they draw the cinch, they know that the horse is not going to like it, maybe buck, so they draw the cinch tight. And then the biggest, burliest cowboy, the uh, you know, the alpha male, strides out there john wayne then puts himself on that horse and they ride it around for five or six days like this until the horse finally settles down in this place in eastern europe they put the horse in a great big barn it's a huge barn um enough to have a race much much bigger than the uh than the corral but they leave the horse in the barn by himself for a while. Let the horse get used to it. Then the trainer will come in, go where the horse is, and give him an apple. Give him a carrot. Give him some food to eat. Treat the horse very kindly. If the horse will let him touch him, then he pets the horse. <laughs> the next day, they come in with a very small bridle, show it to him, set it down and then bring in a saddle but this time that the uh the trainer is wearing the saddle on his on his shoulder and he comes up to the horse and says look what i've got isn't this good and then he shows the saddle to the horse and the horse will sniff the saddle and check it out and all that kind of stuff and then they'll take the little saddle and put it on the back of the horse but they don't cinch it so you see where this going after a couple of days of this um, they do get the horse cinched up, and then they bring a very, very small rider, either uh, uh, a teenage boy or a woman. But the important thing is, is that they're trained to be gentle with this horse in training. And then after five or six days, they've got this, this horse treating this rider quite well, kind of enjoying this guy because of the way that they treat the horse. Now, let me ask you this, which horse is most likely going to have acid reflux disease? 
the one that the cowboys are uh, training or the ones that the uh, uh, Eastern Europeans are training? Yeah, the cowboy one. Okay. All right. So, uh, so in terms <laughs> of horses, I think uh, I've heard horses cannot vomit because their neck is so strong. So I don't know if they can have acid reflux. But uh, anyways, that's beside the point. Well, if they vomit, that's because they're trying to change their equilibrium. Yeah, no, I've I've heard they can't actually do it because they're, uh, yeah, their body doesn't allow it, but not sure. Okay, so you don't really know what the horse is experiencing inside, but we can get an idea of the way that he's yeah. being treated, that uh, one sure. horse doesn't like it and the other one is okay with this because it's done gently. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, you could be the physician, but you could be very rough on yourself. And so we're inviting you to be easy going, easy on yourself. That, yeah, the acid reflux is there. Let me drink some water. Let me take some Pepto-Bismol or some whatever. I watched television commercials in the 1950s and 60s. And so that's what I remember, you know, um, uh, Alka-Seltzer, Pepto-Bismol, those are actually quite common because this is a common illness. But you've got it in a chronic kind of way, which means then that we have to start changing the way that we uh, operate. The way that you treat yourself. And so in this regard, whenever the acid reflux comes up, you could say, aha, a new opportunity to practice. A new opportunity to nurture. A new opportunity to come out of the mindset of not liking into the mindset of I can handle this. I'm a physician. I know what rapid reflux is. I'm quite experienced with it. And I can handle it. Handle it through medications, handle it through drinking water, handle it by uh, kind of letting it become subconscious that it's not the important thing that's going on. The important thing that's going on is that you're still breathing, you're still alive. And so we can begin to joy that. Wow, I'm still alive. Acid reflux and all, I'm still alive. So this is the kind of attitude that we change. We change our attitude from, oh, poor me, I've got it, I don't want it, and my life is no good, into, hey, my life is wonderful, with or without it. That it's just a sensation. It's just a messenger delivering a message. And like every king who gets bad news, they kill the messenger. So recognize that that's what you're doing. You're trying to kill the messenger rather than enjoying the news. That this is good news because now I know. Now I can see it. So what do you think about this? Yeah, I think the the attitude uh, change is definitely uh, the... uh, the most important thing. In fact, I noticed that like uh, these sorts of issues have given me like uh, plenty of uh, 
opportunity to practice in terms of uh, if maybe usually I'd uh, um, <clears throat> what was my point? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean like <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah, I guess in the sense that um, I have a constant supply in terms of uh, uh, making my practice better because uh, this, this sorts of issues tend to uh, produce unwholesome thoughts and then I can notice it because it's, 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 it's really interesting because initially I think that the problem is, is the pain or whatever sensation I'm having because that's the thought like no this, this sensation is bad but then I noticed that Whenever I'm suffering because of it, it's because I was having this thought. That you don't like. And then, it. yeah, I didn't like it. And then the and then the then the other thing that comes up is uh, after a while, it's like uh, I'm having more unwholesome thoughts about man, this is never going to go away. It just mm -hmm. didn't. Yeah, there's no no end to the to the digging of a hole that you could do. You could just dig yourself right yeah. into. A into a pit exactly yep 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 and so you can watch that and recognize that you've got a choice about it that with or without the heartburn you're still okay you're still alive let us take a deep breath and enjoy this moment acid and all that the acid is not the boss of you It's not your manager, it's not your boss, doesn't run your life, unless you let it. Yeah, whenever, whenever I'm dealing with this topic, I notice, uh, like, yeah, there's a lot of unwholesome thoughts coming up, and I note them, oh, here's another one, here's another one, but I can just relax, I don't have to think about this. And then every once in a while, it's like, man, these thoughts will never stop. Well, there's another one. <laughs> and so we add that statement from the Buddha. Aha, I see you. I see you, unwholesome thought. There you are being the dog owner rather than the vet. We need a doctor here. <laughs> Is there a doctor in this body? Is there a doctor in the house? Yeah, that's what we need. We need nourishment, medication. And what you're giving it instead is a bunch of grief. Yeah. So why don't we just leave this one here? We've done about 30 minutes on this. So this, I think, has gotten some value for me, for you. So um, if you'll go practice this way. I think that you'll gain some great benefit. This is a really good opportunity to practice. To get yourself back into a state of, well, I can handle that. Not a problem. I'm the winner here. Yeah, I think so. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, Marcus, we'll see you later then. Yeah. Okay. So bye-bye.
Bye.